ladies and gentlemen, it seems we have a problem. Boys and girls, welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing things you want to see that are automotive-based and on the internet. If it has an engine, wheels, and it makes loud noises, we want to tell you about it. I am Christian Moe. Joining me today, I have Mark McNabb. Mark, say hello. What's up, guys? Now, normally this is where Justin comes in, but Justin is a hateful man and nobody likes him, and he's decided to take a vacation. So we brought you an extra super special guest. We have Mr. Logan Usman with us. Logan, say hello. Hello, everyone. Logan is a writer who used to work with both me and Mark, and he's just as terrible at this job as we are, so this should be a fun evening. This is good. (laughs) All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to try not to go over on this show like we have been doing lately. Sorry about that, guys. Um, Oh, first things first. Don't forget we're on iTunes. Go ahead and leave us, you know, those little star ratings and things. (laughs) makes me feel all happy about myself, and I want to love you people. So make me love you and leave me a rating. All right. Hey, you know what? I'm pimping it out. I'm pimping out the show. That's right. I, 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 I will sell out all day. Getting us ranks. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the kids call them these days. Uh, ranks. Rank up. Yep. Uh, all right. Weekly wheels. Yes, we're going to move on to the weekly wheels. And this show might be a little bit different. We're recording it about eight hours later than usual, so things are a little crazy here. Uh, let's go ahead, and we're going to start with Mark. Mark is driving a car that I drove a little while ago. He has the Lexus ES350. And uh, what do you think about it, Mark? Oh, the Lexus ES350. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we had that show. I think it was like the fourth podcast we did. We, You had talked about the 350, and you said, you know, I hated the car until I figured out what it is. I I kept playing that back in my head the whole time I had this car. And you just and I, hated it? And I kept thinking, like, not really, you know? Um, okay, my number one biggest complaint about the car, hands down, was the front seat. I could not get comfortable. I, I don't know what it was. Um, I adjusted every which way. It tilt telescope, steering wheel, everything. It just seemed like the seat bottom was too flat and the bolsters were too tall. No, I can I can totally agree with that. And like my my butt was like, you know, held up here and then flat here, and but the seat back felt fine. It was just the bottom, and yeah. I just I I didn't feel like it was a you know a Lexus type seat, but um, but it's not. It's a fancy Camry type seat. Avalon, Avalon, yeah, um, six in one, half a dozen the other. Anyway, the rest of the car is really good. I, I really did enjoy the um, the 3.5 liter V6. Um, really, I mean that's a, that's a pretty torquey little engine. I, I was kind of impressed. Um, yeah, it's it's a hundred years old, but it's not terrible. I mean, it's it's a you know venerable little motor. It's it's good. Rear seat legroom is really awesome. Uh, it does have that trunk pass through. Trunk was pretty big. Um, let's see the looks of the car. It, it's fine for what it is. You know, it's not overstated, but it's not bland. It's just, it's just there. Um, nothing, nothing wrong about that. I really like the interior, the dash. Um, what I color was the, yours? My, uh, the outside was silver. The interior was black. It had the uh, the kind of the mild color bamboo wooden trim. 
Um, so I had the wood steering wheel, the wood dash inserts, and everything like that. I really did like the uh, the mouse um, thing on the center console to control. It's weird, the, uh, but I kind of dig it. Yeah, it's it's different. You'll never find that in another car. It seems like. But, I like how I was worried about it at first until I realized it snapped into buttons. Yeah, you know, I kind of compared it to like one of those crazy little Ouija board things. I've never done one, but <laughs> it's just like I can I can imagine that's what it is. It's like it just kind of shows you where to go. So if a, if a, if an option is blocked out, like it, you can't do like navigation from that particular screen, it won't allow you to go over that. So it kind of limits your options. Helps you keep your eyes on the road versus trying to you know small dexterity in like a little screen. Which by the way was my other complaint with the car. The, inf the information system or the the navigation just seemed like it was about ten years old. I think it is. Yeah. Did, it just. You know, it the, seemed, I, I uh, I was recently in a um, Toyota Sienna, and uh, the navigation system, which they're all they're all Toyota navigation systems, the the graphics that that was what made it seem old, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's like the graphics were just like DOS literally, compared. Yeah, it was like DOS compared to 4K. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, 4K is like the next big thing in resolution. It was you like that. that Comparing to like Windows ninety eight, you know that car. That car is so dated. It really is, and like like the the engine's not direct injected. I don't think it is. I don't. Think no, it's it's now. pretty much the standard. Yeah. It does have the variable valve timing, but oh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's, that's God, Logan. I miss you. No, it, <laughs> variable valve timing is the thing that you would write down in a in a car review when you couldn't figure out anything else to say about the car. Like, oh, it's got variable valve timing. Ooh, BBTI, <laughs> intelligent variable valve timing. I know, right? There's little munchkins in the car saying, oh, let's change it now. No, but that, that's been that's been my biggest gripe of Toyotas as of late is because they're all their componentry is, sure, they're incredibly reliable and they're a great value and they have good warranties and they're they're going to last you. They're very dependable and they're turnkey appliances, but the, everything in there is so dated. It's yeah. Just, I would agree. But otherwise, I did like the car. I mean, it did. It drove well enough. It handled well enough. Um, but honestly, I kept thinking of, like, my older family members, you know, and I kept thinking, would they like this car? And the answer I kept getting is no. Because really? I don't, yeah, it doesn't ride like a fat Buick. It doesn't uh, – it's not squishy. It's not, you know, as comfortable as I think it – should be. I mean, these are the folks that are used to like the velour seats with like four inches of padding, you know. Well, I don't see. What, what gets me is is that car is so out of character for the rest of Lexus's brand image as of right now. Because you look yeah. at the IS, you look at the GS, and they're, yeah. they're all they have like the with the the F Sport cars, and they have that new the new commercials and the new ad campaigns with like the the. the like the thrilling version of Lexus, and then you still have the ES, which is you're like, oh yeah, that car stills, that car is still for sale. <laughs> well, but because the advertising is just to get people in there, so like yeah, it is. But you when, know, when when Grandma is interested in cars, she asks her car grandson, "What should I look at?" And he goes, "Oh, I know you like comfortable cars, but Lexus looks awesome right now." And then she just goes and buys the ES like she was going to, anyways. But that got people in into the door. That made Junior Hoonigan tell his grandmother to look at Lexus. <laughs> that's very true. We need to coin that term. That's, yeah. that's our that's our market. But I mean, you know, I, and and two, I mean, who who is buying this car? Um, you know, it's it's someone who has money because obviously my tester was fitted with just about everything besides the glass roof, the 18-inch wheels, 
came to $44,000. I mean, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot better options for way cheaper. I mean, even for the, the you know, to back the, to church and back on Sunday morning and to the grocery store once a week type folk. Um, but, I mean, that's not to hate on Lexus. I know they make good products, but um, I just feel like the ES just kind of misses the mark. No, that's okay. That's totally fair. Like I said, it was I hated it for a, a long time, but yeah, when I don't feel good and I'm tired and I just want to get to where I'm going, I was like, okay, thank you, Lexus, for being so boring and soft. I can't even agree with that, actually. <laughs> I did dislike the seat, though. It, it took me like three days to get the seat into a semi-comfortable position. That yeah. seat bottom is terrible. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, an extra inch or two of padding, and the car might be worth $44,000, but then you just spend $3 on padding on the seat, and it would be fine. So that's... Lexus hates asses. <laughs> and apparently I'm being one to Lexus right now for down here. <laughs> Lexus, Mark loves you apparently. Don't worry about it. I, I hope. All right, let's go ahead and move on uh, to something that's far more enjoyable and way more up my alley. Uh, Mr. Logan wants to talk to us about something that goes ka-clunkity, ka-clunkity and burns some oil. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, even though I'm not receiving press cards as late, I do, uh, I do like to drive cars that I've never driven before. And the past weekend, I got to experience for the very first time a Volkswagen TDI engine. Ooh. Yes. Uh, and it wasn't brand new. It was used. It probably had about – it was on a Audi A3. Uh, Very I, nice. I so that's a 2-liter, right? It's 2-liter TDI. Yes, the 2-liter TDI. Uh, I want to say it's probably about a 2010 because I believe the owner is still under lease, so it's probably about a 2010, 2011. Uh, I think it had about 30,000 miles on it. So, oh my God! My TDI is a 2010, and I have 87,000 on mine. Well, it, it, it's this is this is in this is in Miami, so it's a city car. It doesn't it doesn't oh, drive okay. doesn't drive long distances. And so it's it was, a lease, so if he had 87,000 miles on it, he would have yeah. bought it twice by now. I was gonna say, Christian, you must leave yours on a treadmill or a driveway or something. Like, how do you have so many miles on it? So, I just um, turn on the e-brake and just spin the front tires all day. <laughs> no wonder you need tires. No, so um, let's see. It was an automatic. I believe that that would be a six-speed. I would hope. Yep. Christian. Okay, cool. It was a, it was a six-speed five-door A3 TDI. Um, I gotta say, the steering on that car was phenomenal. I mean, it was not like phenomenal, but for like a city car, this is like one of the best city cars I've ever driven. It's clearly not like a, like a. It's clearly not a dragon tamer. It's not an autocross killer because it's heavy. It's a heavy premium car, but the. The interior fit and finish, there were some little bit cheap bits here and there, and it did have uh, a large number of warning lights on for the, uh, the tire pressure monitoring system. So, and but it started, started right up for being so for being so used, and um, it did have that, which is really cool sound. Um, my thing, my, the thing that got me the most was the throttle tip in, which was kind of weird. Really? Well, because it it. It kind of, I think they're drive-by-wire. I believe they're, I would assume they're drive-by-wire by now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that was So it kind of did, the, it has like a, I think when the operating temperature is a little cool, cooler, it'll kind of, like, kind of judder and then hesitate. And then it, could like, almost feels like it fell on its face for, like, maybe half a second. Hmm. And then so it picked part up. Of, well, part of that is also the uh, turbo. They've done really good about getting rid of the turbo lag in those engines. But, yeah, when mine is cold... There's a pronounced amount of lag from when you hit the pedal to when you really get that thrust of torque. Yeah, 
So that I that I'd probably just chalk it up to that's what it was. Um, it was a very smooth shifting automatic. Like I said, the steering had a pretty perf perfect weight for um, a city car, um, and it was very very comfortable. The seats were comfortable. It was um I was very impressed. Like I honestly I don't really like Audis. I think they're too expensive, and I think you might as well just buy a Volkswagen if you're going to buy something like that. But the A three. When it's the the previous generation, not the not the current generation, that the current generation is stupid. Um, the previous generation, the hatchback, that that car made a lot of sense. It really did. I I don't know the MSRP on this vehicle. I'm assuming it was probably it's probably expensive. I think the TDI version of the A3 around 2011, you could only get it with the automatic and only with front wheel drive, and the options were sort of limited. I think like 36. Really? Because the car didn't have navigation, and, th and when you're spending thirty-six thousand dollar car, thirty-six thousand well, dollars. If it didn't have the navigation, it was probably closer to thirty-three or thirty-four. Okay. Well, yeah, there was no navigation package on this vehicle, but even still, um, I was quite impressed, and I actually really liked it. Uh, I would never spend that kind of money on a vehicle of that nature. Well, let me let me ask you this, Logan. Um, I mean, being thirty thousand miles into the car, um, did the owner say anything about what kind of mileage they were getting? With, I mean, it's. It's obviously very broken in, um, so I mean, what what sort of mileage? Yeah, in the 30s, like the 30, 30 mpg, maybe about probably about. And, and that's more in city. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. The last time I spoke to him about this, I, we also got into a discussion about uh, veg, vegetable oil conversions, which uh, was more interesting than miles per gallon. <laughs> so, but no, I, I think he's I think he's getting about 28 between 28 and 35, but. As a typical, you know, typical TDI. TDI Say 30, 30, 35 sounds more like like if I am just doing pure city stop and go driving, and I spend a lot of time stopped. Thirty five is closer to what I get, but again, I'm in a yeah, manual yeah, and I'm yeah, in a course, much yeah. smaller car. Yeah. Your 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 vehicle is lighter and it's a manual transmission. And... Yeah, I think I'm like five hundred pounds lighter or something. Like it's a huge difference between my wow. car. And yours is car. still yours is still a two door, right? Yeah, but back. it's yeah because it's not the actual wagon; it's just a hatchback. So yeah, yeah. I'm missing like three feet of car. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean that TDI is famous for getting almost 50, 50 miles a gallon on the highway, so that's why I asked. Yeah. On the highway, of course, of course, but uh, this is like purely a city car. But even yeah. still, it it, is, it has held up for this long period of time for being such a used car. I, I just what I would have expected the interior to be in shambles, but it was they're very well made. They really are. That's yeah, good. that's that's that's, good. that's one thing I love about my golf. Like I said, I have eighty-seven thousand miles on my golf now, and I have one rattle, one, and it's only when the car is cold. Well. That's good. Yeah, it's my headlight switch. It's a plastic drum inside of a plastic ring. And uh, when it's cold and the plastics have separated a little bit, that drum rattles inside that ring just slightly. And it's just slightly enough that if you just lay up and lay your finger against it, it stops. Hmm. I stuff something up in there and try to take care of it. I thought about it, but then I'm like, I'm going to ruin something because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Catch something on fire. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> All right. Um, I well, don't have a press car this week, but um, I did drive a couple of cars. Um, as some well, of you guys you know, may have known, we are very envious of you right now, by the way. Yes. Um, as some of you guys may have known, if you're paying attention to the Twitter sphere and all that sort of stuff, um, I was in Texas for the last couple of days. In fact, I left Texas this morning at about 5 a.m. So that's what these are. Um, at my energy drink. Um, so yeah, I was with Cooper Tires, and I was doing testing on their new tires, 
Uh, they're coming out with a brand new uh, premium, like all-season touring tire. Um, they're competing against some of the stuff like Pirelli makes and things like that. Um, so they're really proud of it, and they wanted a bunch of people to come out and see how they test them and learn some testing stuff. And uh, we got to take some great cars and trounce them around the track a little bit. Um, they had a set of brand new, they just leased them, BMW 328i's, um, and then there were a pair of V6 Mustangs. And basically they have a wet skid pad and a dry skid pad with autocross courses set up on them, and we'll take a competitor tire for the BMW, it was Pirelli versus Cooper. For the Mustangs, it was a hand-cooked tire versus Cooper. And uh, so you'd get in a BMW with Pirelli tires on it, drive it four or five laps around the wet autocross course, then you would turn around and immediately get in the Cooper Tire car and do the same course again. And then you would move to the dry course, do the dry course, and you'd swap cars, and you'd do the wet course again and the dry course again. Um, and I hate a lot of tires test crap because you can say a lot, but for the most part, people can't really tell a big difference, especially in the dry. But um, I have some lap times for us here. And these are average times for every single person who is in the car for every single lap. Um, in the dry, there wasn't that big of a difference. The BMWs, there were a, the BMWs were two percent faster on Cooper tires for every driver than they were on the Pirellis, and the uh, Mustangs were four per, or were yeah were four percent faster uh, around the track on the dry than on the hand cooked tires. Um, the wet was where the big difference made, and I haven't finished doing all the math for the Mustangs yet. But uh, right now, where I've got my math at on the BMWs, we were all 8% faster around the track on the Cooper tires than we were on the Pirellis. That's impressive. Is it, is it all because of the compounds they're using, or what? Um, they've done about 1,000 things to this tire. Um, from the way their tread pattern is designed to special pieces they built into the tread pattern, I think there are six different patented items in this tire now. Wow. Um, yeah, and they are targeting, actually, the performance of some of Michelin's highest-rated stuff. The problem is, they said, is Michelin has a new tire coming out soon, and they can't get a hold of them to bring those in for us to test, and they know that their tire is far better than the old Michelin tire, so they didn't want to bring in a tire that was going to really underperform. If we're all doing 10 to 20 seconds a lap better on the new tire than we are the old tire, then it's obvious that they've stacked, stacked the deck. So he's like, we wanted the new Michelin tires. We couldn't get them. They're not out yet. We couldn't get a hold of them. So this is a Pirelli tire. Um, he said they're one of the ones that they put uh, standard on a couple of the cars that Audi makes. Um, I think he might have said the S5 maybe or something. But they're the Pirelli P P7 uh, high-performance all-season all tire is what we were comparing against. And, uh, yeah, an 8% difference in the wet. So really cool. I'm curious if price points were... Unveiled to you at this at this this gathering. We didn't get exact pricing, but he said the price is only like twenty five cents more on MSRP than last year's CS4, which is their best selling tire they've ever made. So they have this whole new tire that they're replacing their best selling tire with ever, and they've managed to not increase the price. That's pretty. It good. has yeah. They said it has four times the amount of silica in the compound. They've added a bunch of new. Um, Patented features to the tire, stuff like that, and like, and we did everything we could to make sure we kept that price equal. Yeah. Now, are these made inside the United States? Um, yes. Um, almost. All. They have they they have two or three plants in the U.S. and they've got a plant in China and they've got a couple in Europe. But uh, all of the CS5s are being made here in the U.S. Cool. And all the testing was done here in the U.S. and all the engineering is done here in the U.S. 
Cool. It's a very American-based manufacturing process. I know that Cooper kind of wasn't that great of a brand a few years ago. Are they trying to push to get bigger? Like, what's how, how is the company structured in doing that sort of thing? Um, actually, they have grown by leaps and bounds. They're actually the fifth largest tire maker in, in the U.S. now. Wow. Um, and they actually now have their first OE contract. Really? Um, yes. They are now OE on the top trim Ford Ford Focuses. So the Ford, so the Ford, uh, yeah, so the Ford Focus, uh, SE, and Titanium now come standard with Cooper tires. Really? Okay. Yep, it's their first OE contract. But as much as the tires are cool, um, I've got a bunch of pieces to write, and I'm going to cover it on the next podcast. I want to talk about that freaking BMW, because this was the first time I've been in the brand new generation 328i with that new two two liter turbo. Ah, and yeah. That is a sweet ass engine. Holy crap! That car is fantastic. Man. First things first, the steering is utter shit. It's electric, isn't it? Yes, and it's mm-hmm. terrible. Like the amount of driver detachment from last generation to this generation is awful. But the suspension setup is still perfect and the balance is still perfect. And except for that stupid ass shifter they use on their automatic transmission, the thing shifts great, super smooth, and that engine just revs for days, tons of power, no lag. It was awesome. I, I just don't understand how BMW can be like the ultimate driving machine, have all this great stuff about their car, and then the, the main aspect of the, the, the driving experience, the steering wheel, just doesn't live up. I mean, how, how, does, that, how it, does it pass? Gas mileage, it really is. It's all fuel mileage. That's all electric steering pumps are useful for is increasing your fuel mileage so you can meet CAFE standards and get a very high... Well, very high cafe standard. That's all it is. Yeah. But that and, – and here's the, the worst part about it, and it's annoying. But, yes, for all accounts and purposes, pretty much the new BMW 3 Series is worse than the old one. It just is. But it's still better than all the competitors. All, all BMW 3 Series have been worse since the E30. The E30 was the plateau, and then they all just got progressively worse. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I really dig the E90 M3 with that V8. That's mm. – I spent a lot of time in that car, and I doesn't, like that yeah, a lot. Doesn't hold a candle to a 1987 325 IS. Well, just a little bit of rust. The, the E46 for me. Is <laughs> the rust, it has to be. Yeah, no, I really dig the e, the E46. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit with Mark on this one. I, I, no, I, I, spent, I honestly, I have spent a good amount of time with an E46, um, and uh, I, I've never, never been able to make friends with an E46. Okay, well, that's fair, but this is my podcast, so you're wrong. Um. <laughs> Logan, don't feel bad, man. It happens to Justin and me all the time, man. Cool. But, yeah, um, it's, 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 it's really hilarious, though. Yeah, but it is really hilarious because you get in this car and you're like, this is not nearly as good as the old one. It just isn't. But then you look at the competitors, and it's not the other competitors are bad. Like, the A4 is a great car, and the C-Class for Mercedes is a great car. The BMW is just freaking better, even though they're making it more terrible every year. The other people still just can't beat them. It's, I don't know. I don't it's, know. Well, it's almost like that's what happened. Is BMW went, meh, that'll work. Whatever. It's not yeah, like but- we're going to be worse than anybody else. The whole deal with all those, all the the modern day German entry level, the you know the aspirational luxury vehicles like the the eighth or the the. C- I love the air quotes. Well, because aspirational, honestly, aspirational luxury vehicle is an insult. It's like, oh well, you couldn't afford the A6, yeah. the A8, but sorry, here's an A3, here's an A4. You want to look rich, okay? Exactly, exactly. But it, it, 
what was the MSRP on that 328? Uh, we didn't get sticker prices on those. I mean, I can probably get them, and I'll email yeah, them and see if I get no, them. No, you'd be able to. You'd be able to pull them up, and they're going to be clo- they're going to be close to the 50s. No way, because they're fairly base. Because oh, they're just the 328. Okay. They're not the 335s. Or they're the 328s. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the that's the engine that replaced the naturally aspirated straight six, right? They're all turbo now. Yeah, so you can get a turbo two liter four or a turbo three liter, uh, and we had the turbo two liter. Yeah. Which I mean, it was still. I mean, it was a really solid engine. I was. Well, really those have 200, 200 power, something like that. Yeah, some something like that. Um, I'm pulling up the uh, stats now here. Oh, not the 320. I want the 328. 328. Thank you. So. Yes, thank you, computer, for listening to exactly what I told you not to do, you stupid. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um, so let's see. We have the MSRP. Yes, 240 horsepower. MSRP is 37.3. Oof. Yeah. But it's not the base level because base level is a 320. Mm. And I don't. I guess that's pulled by a small mule. <laughs> <laughs> Little gerbils under the mule. <laughs> I kind of want a gerbil-powered German. <laughs> Nein! <laughs> das gerbil-powered, ja. Oh, my gosh. Okay, 180 we horsepower. We need to move the on. 320. So. Wow, that's sad. All right. Yeah. No, what was really terrible about the cars is the Mustangs there, the, the moment I got out of the first Mustang, I went straight over to the PR guy, and I'm like, how old is this car? How long have you owned it? I mean, it was terrible. And he's like, oh, they're not ours. We pulled them from a rental fleet. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, so that explains why my 300-horsepower V6 feels like a 103-horsepower V6. <laughs> Holy that car, God. That car lives its life hurtling towards the red line and with its rear tire speed tripling the front tire speed. Oh, like, those cars were so low on power. On the wet skid pad... Um, I would, like, with the car parked, stand on the gas pedal, it will not break. In wet? On a on a wet skid pad. I'm on a 14-acre pile of asphalt with a quarter inch of water sitting on it. And the tires would not break just standing on the throttle. Well, those Cooper tires were good stuff then, huh? Wouldn't do it for <laughs> any of the tires. <laughs> oh my <laughs> were that terribly low on power. Wow. I mean, it sounds like they just hadn't had their maintenance done. Yeah, I wish I would have looked looked at the odometer to see how many miles were on it, but I was like, this feels like it's dead. All right. Anyways, let's go ahead and let's move on to some actual news. Um, speaking of dead, though. Yeah, speaking of dead. Ooh, that was a incredible SRT. Yeah, so we're going to start with the uh, Chrysler's five-year plan, which has lots of news. And yeah, let's lots start with of, the fact they're killing the SRT name because... Lots of death. Death, death and death. Well, but lots of lots of life too. Yes, because they're they're emerging. This is, well, see, no, I'm, I'm I'm thinking the Wagoneer and the Alfieri, which are coming up in a oh, few seconds. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Life. So basically, you got to read the article because that's where all the news is at, and we're just gonna try to summarize it. So don't you know if we say something wrong, don't kill us because we're human too, and it's late. Anyway, <laughs> so apparently, what Chrysler's wanting to do, or they are going to do, is take SRT and merge it back into Dodge, which it was at one point in time, but now it's it was its own separate division. Now they're going to bring it back into the fold, so it's going to be the Dodge Viper. It's going to be the Dodge 
charger SRT8 instead of the SRT charger for char- charger with a Hemi. I don't know what they call it. <laughs> but I mean, like, all, all of the SRT vehicles are now going to be re, basically re-haloed under the Dodge brand name. Um, hey, Mark, like, yeah. 10 minutes ago I thought this was a stupid idea, but after hearing us try to explain what has actually happened, I'm like, you know what, this is probably a really smart idea because we don't even know what the hell SRT is as a brand. <laughs> I know, like, the other week I was trying to do an article on Dodge, you know, when the, the new Challenger and Charger came out, and I'm like, where are the SRT8s on the Dodge website? I couldn't find it. I was getting mad. I was like, okay. So I Google it, SRT8 Dodge Charger, and it came up under the SRT website. And I'm like, oh, makes sense now. And I, I, I totally didn't – I didn't even realize they weren't even on the same website. So yeah. maybe it is a good idea. Um, it still sounds stupid, though, because they spent so much money and time promoting this SRT brand. Like, yeah, never mind. But I, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to be wasted, really, because the average show who doesn't really know the industry news about it, yeah, the SRT promotion that's been going on, maybe that you're going to think, oh, that's a division of Dodge, which it is. So they're going to think Lexus F Sport, uh, Toyota TRD, you know, um, things like that. So you know, Cadillac V. Hopefully, that association will still be there. It'll still be good, but. It won't be its own thing. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I I hate to see them do so much, you know, because they did. They they pumped a ton of money into SRT as it was, and yeah. like Ralph Gilles is one of the best people you could ever spend some time talking talking to. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but it's weird to see his sort of baby be pulled out from under him. Yeah. Well, no, he he has a job secured. He's the he's he's still CEO of, of Dodge Motorsports. Um, but he is going to be senior vice president of product design, which he was that of SRT. Yeah, so I I th- I think he's still going to get a lot of say in whatever it is he's doing. But it, it, this, it, you know, it's all paperwork. That's probably what this what this is. Yeah, it's just a big shakeup. But I do have to say, besides the killing off of SRT or the folding in or whatever you want to call it, I mean, I couldn't imagine the amount of board meetings and emails sent. Because if you look at all the stuff that's happening in Chrysler in the next five years, they've got it all laid out. And I'm really surprised they, they came to market with all of this. Um, I mean, it's a lot of news, and it's all it's it's almost hard to digest how much is going on. Um, but back to the SRT stuff, looks like the Dart, once it gets its refresh back or up in uh, 2016, that is going to be back in the uh, SRT. So we're kind of getting a neon... SRT4 replacement. Well, so well, so that's the thing. Is is it going to be great like the SRT4 Neon, or is it going to be terrible like the SRT4 Caliber? Well, let's not hope the Caliber because it was ter- it was the the Caliber is a, a dog of a car anyway. Um, now, were the were the rumors debunked about the all drive that it going to be turboed and all drive and go after the WRXs? I think I don't think anything's confirmed really in any way. Yeah, they're all they're all just speculation, but if. I, but if if Chrysler were to pull something off where they decided, okay, let's let's finally put all-wheel drive in a in a subcompact and take it after the WRX, if this vehicle was priced at the same maybe the same price or a little less than the WRX, about twenty-five to thirty grand, I really do think people would start to pick this thing up and they would pick up just like how the SRT4 picked up the original Neon. Yeah, look, that, I mean, that I car has a violent violent following. The, the the first one when it first came out it was about twenty one twenty two, is the was the price point for that vehicle it was 
headed directly at the SRT, headed directly at the WRX, the RSX Type S, and uh, you remember the the caliber and the the oddly enough the the Ion Redline, which I personally really really liked that car. I thought that was amazing. I don't know why nobody bought one, but that was. Did when you ever part- drive one? No, <laughs> I've never driven one, but I can lie. They look never... cool, though, right? No, they do. They look really cool. They have Maybe bands. that's why they didn't buy one. Uh, they, uh, I like I like how the I like how the the all the instruments and the gauges are in the center, and I like that. I really what I really liked is because it was a Saturn, and yeah. uh, as Mark knows, we we used to when when Mark and I used to do um, other podcasts back in back in college days, we, I would talk about my love affair with Saturn. That was that was around the time when Saturn actually was axed. Yeah, Sat- no, Saturn and Subaru for you, Logan, were your your things. All right, are we um? We're yeah, so um, yeah. well, like here's here's my thing about them making an all-wheel drive version of this car, though. We're good, man. Um, yeah. So like here's 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 my thing about the all-wheel drive version of this is, it made sense before when they were still using this as a global rallycross car, and they cut that program out this year. They pulled out a global rally rallycross. So since they're not making an all-wheel drive racing version of this car, it makes zero sense for them to spend the money to try and make a production version of one. What I mean, the, 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 they can still enter Global Rallycross again. There's, I mean, it's not like it's just it's season by season. And this, right, but you know, and, and it's clear it's clear the SRT version of the Dart will not be coming out until about 2016. Yeah, so they could easily uh, re-enter Global Rallycross, and I think they they pulled out of Global Rallycross because of budgeting, and also because of just um maybe the, maybe because they knew about the five-year plan and they thought okay, marketing-wise, let's pull the car out, upset some people, and then and then and then make them happy again. Maybe. Remember, you know, you can't have darkness without the dawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> I secretly want to see, like, Ralph Jules standing in front of them. Remember, men, you can never know happiness without the sadness. We shall break their hearts only to mend them. He would. <laughs> well, he is a pretty Such epic a guy, guy like that, so. Anyway. Right. So, I mean, uh, there, there's, there's more news here, though. Um, I'm going to talk about Dodge. Um... Uh, let's see. We got what the new Journey coming out. That's gonna be nice. Yay! The current one's not so nice. Um, well, the, the, look, the the current one is actually a pretty good car in my opinion. It's old. It's been out for a very long time, and the I think the new generation change is gonna be it's gonna be really cool because it's a clever it's a clever vehicle and uh, it's decently made. And the I don't know about you guys, but like Chrysler U Connect is amazing. Yes, agreed. Definitely agree on that one. I I hate all infotainment systems, and the fact of course that, <laughs> it's the fact that the eight point four is the best does like you you connect eight eight point four is probably one of the best. That doesn't make it good. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, out of all the ones that I put my fingers on, the UConnect works the best. Right, but that doesn't mean it works great. It just works better than everyone else's terrible, terrible system. It's like BMW. I mean, it might be a sucky car, but it's better than it's the competition. So every... Well, <laughs> no, no, no. That's different because the BMW is good. It's just not as good as it used to be. Yeah, but it's better than the competition. 
right? right. All infotainment's bad. This one is just not as bad. Just save your money and don't buy it. No, I, I like the Uconnect. I, I spent a week with one here recently in the Dodge Durango, the new 2014. I liked it. It worked well. It never it never did anything that I didn't like it to not do. I mean, it was it was fun. It is it is responsive, which is which is nice because like the systems that Jag uses, the system of my Volkswagen, like you touch the screen, you count to three, and then something happens. Yeah, I couldn't stand that. The, it's the, it's not. the system, the, the Jaguar systems are appalling. Yeah, um, but no, the uh, I agree with Mark. The Dodge U Connect is is easily the best infotainment system on the market right now, and it's accessible and it's also mostly based off of a consumer product. It's mostly based on Garmin, Garmin's in, uh, interface, so it's it's obviously reliable and it works. So it, I think that the new journey shows promise, but the, the whole thing about the journey and the whole thing about that whole that segment and that market is why buy a journey when you can just buy a Grand Caravan for cheaper and have more space. Yeah. Ah, but because the Grand Caravan's a minivan. Exactly. And, uh, and <laughs> it's dead. The Grand Caravan is going the way of the Pinto and is dying. After its many, many year run and its um, basically the, the ignition to all of the minivan craze, um, Chrysler is now going to be carrying the, the minivan thing with the kind of country. So no more no more Dodge Caravan because Dodge is now a sporty brand. <laughs> We're all full of air quotes tonight, people. I think that needs to be the title of today's show. It's air, air quotes. No, it's hell yeah, we're 10. Well, so do you think – so, okay. yeah. Well, if, if the talent country has to carry the minivan torch, and of course everybody thinks so, minivan, Grand Caravan, or Grand Caravan or the talent country, that means that they're going to have to come out – Chrysler is going to have to come out with um, different trim levels for the town and country if they still want to be competitive because the town and country was more expensive and it had more um, it had more amenities than the Grand Caravan. The Grand Caravan made so much sense. Yes. Yeah. I, I would totally, totally agree with you on this. Um, I've got a town and country. I'm sorry. I've got one sitting in my driveway right now. It's a press car. $35,000 for this car. Um, it does have a lot of stuff. It's got the infotainment. It's got the navigator, the DVD in the back and stuff. But, I mean, that's a lot of money for, like, a family car. Um, yeah, but you can blow a lot more. Go price, like, a Honda Odyssey or the or the Toyota. Oh, oh I know. Crap. I know. But, I mean, the, the, the Odysseys and the Siennas are, are they, the options of those vehicles are so expensive. And the exterior on those cars are just – they're huge. Yeah, you can, you, can blow, I, you, can, you can blow, I think, almost 50 grand on the uh, Sienna. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, like, you know, <clears throat> how many people are going to do that, really? I'm looking for like a like a $25,000 Grand Caravan replacement. And I think Chrysler, they need to come out with that model. They're going to have to have some sort of a trim package down a little bit lower, maybe cut a little options. That way it's more accessible to kind of, kind of replace the Grand Caravan in that market segment. Yeah, I think what uh, Sergio Marchion should have done is kill off the town and country and just made multiple trim levels of the Grand Caravan and one that was really nice because the Grand Caravan is the name. That that has so much weight to it. And then you don't have to make a cheap Chrysler. You can just make a nice Dodge, which which they already do. Some of the Dodge stuff is really nice. Like yeah. You can get a Durango Citadel, which is loaded with everything. Yeah, and That's true. a nice car. Yeah, and that is a that is another good point too. It's like, what do you do? Do you desecrate the name of Dodge and make a non-sporty car? 
It's in the Grand Caravan. <clears throat> or do you desecrate the Chrysler name, which is more of an upscale, by making a cheap town and country? You're shooting yourself in the foot one way or the other. True, you know? but people who are fans of fast cars can overlook cars that aren't fast. People who buy luxury cars can't overlook having cheap plebeian luxury cars in their brand. Touche. That's very true. Um, I, I think all three of us are truly do appreciate the the beautiful simplicity of the Grand Caravan Town and Country because they simply work. And they the, do. The packaging is great and the price point's great. And honestly, the style's perfectly fine. And I remember having one as a press vehicle um, way back in 2011. And this is right when the Pentastar came out. And the Such actual, a sweet engine. It is, and the driving dynamics of that, the driving dynamics of that car, even when, even in 2011, when it was still this, when it was a six-speed automatic, it was fun. I like, I honestly had fun in in the vehicle. The, the steering had, the steering was not. I mean, it's not the best steering in the world, but you know, it had enough, had enough fun to it and enough weight to it to actually be entertaining. It was an entertaining yeah. car, and you can play around with the interior, and it's very comfortable, and it's inexpensive, and it's. Dead nuts reliable. They they make so much sense, but I of course yeah. there's a negative stigma <clears throat> band, so that's why yeah. the journey exists. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my thing about the the Chrysler that I've I've gotten to drive, and literally I've only been a bit in the car for about 30 minutes uh, today, but uh, miles and miles of windshield in front of you. It feels like <laughs> it feels like I I could look up and see windshield. I look down and I see windshield. And the road is like right there. I feel like if I stretched my legs a little too far, I'd be like Fred Flintstone in the car. Yeah. Like it's so, there's so much forward visibility in this car. I love it. I think it's really cool. It's slightly like piloting a 747. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, you know, that's the thing about it. You're so far forward in the van, you don't really realize how large it is behind you. So, but enough about that. Uh, how about Jeep? No. Okay. No, before we go to Jeep, I, I, I want to talk Fezza. I wore my shirt today. Come on. Well, we're going to get to Jeep because, seriously, this is the most exciting news I've heard in a long time. But, uh, I don't know. I want to – yeah, no, it's totally exciting. But uh, I, I want to cover the Fezza news real quick um, because a lot of people seem to be really excited about this news that Ferrari has announced they're going to have – or that there's going to be five new Ferraris in five years. And um, I'm actually working up a big piece on it now that will be up on the site uh, in a couple of days or so. But everyone's like, this is great. But they've been doing that for like seven or eight years now. A few years back, they started their model line and they built them that way so they could have a new or heavily revised car every year. They had four models, and each car would be replaced after eight years. So a car would be out for four years, and then at four years on year five, they'd make a heavily refreshed version of it, and then that car would live for the next four years. And they had four main vehicles, so every year there was a major upgrade or new car. And they've been doing that for a while now. You know, we had the 599, and then it became the 599 GTO, and then that became the F12. And, you know, like, they've been building on this, and now that they've said it and put it in words, everyone's like, this is the most exciting news ever! Well, no, it's just what they've been doing. That's why the California is now the California T. Because we had the FF two years ago, we had the F12 last year, this year we get the California T. It's just how they do things. Well, Chris, you know, we're not all so smart that we can spot their their techniques. No, they made a press announcement about it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> like in 2007, they're like, this is our plan. 
Uh, oh gosh. Anyways, I've got a lot to say on it, people. So if you like to hear me complain about Ferrari, uh, there there'll be a lot of that. But just now, let's move on the Jeep. Yay! Woo! All right, it's my favorite brand ever. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of people's favorite favorite brand. I I, I just I I will own a Wrangler one day. I promise. It's my thing. Are you out of energy drink? I am. <laughs> yeah, that's really sad. Um. And uh, I know we are, we already have a Jeep fan in the house because Logan, you own an a, a, a nice real boxy Cherokee. Yes, I have a I have my personal vehicle. The Daily Driver is a '99 Jeep Cherokee, the XJ, the real Cherokee. Uh, I have to... Is someone building a bookshelf in your house? Yes. No, no that's just that's just four liter knocking in the background. That's just four liter knocking. <laughs> It's actually it's actually been dieseling for the past hour. It won't turn off. It's just idling in the backyard. <laughs> Yay, Jeep! Oh, no, no, no. What I, a bulletproof engine, though. I know I do own a Cherokee, and I've I've owned multiple Cherokee. Actually, this is my second Cherokee. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're fantastic vehicles. They're horrifically flawed, but they're really, really, really. Um, Friendly. That's the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean that's, that's why we that's why we like Hollywood characters because they're flawed. Well, we like the Jeep XJ because it's flawed. It's it's cool, and they fold in half if you try to take the doors off of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do that. The, the unibody folds in half. Yeah. Oh, the unibody <laughs> just will fold in half no matter what. They're they're, yeah. not the, they're very light. Oddly enough, they're um, you can get you can easily get them under three thousand pounds if you get a two door with uh with with two wheel drive. There's a lot of guys who autocross the, the two-wheel drive coupes, and they can make them get under 3,000 pounds, which is strange. That's impressive. Yeah. That's really cool. Mildly frightening. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not very safe, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Spam cans of death. Yeah. yeah, which is terrifying because they put lots of families in them. Um, so 15 years ago, it doesn't matter. Well, right, but but like... The old school road trip family car was always what? The Jeep the Grand Wagoneer. Or the, the Grand Wagoneer. Transition. I was trying to sneak it in there. Uh, yeah, they've they've announced that apparently, in, what is it, 2017? 2020 when? Uh, 18, I think. 2018. The Grand Wagoneer is coming back. Yes. But will it actually be a Woody? Oh, I doubt it. They might have some wooden trim inside, but um, yeah, this is I don't want this it. is great news. Now, I, I Logan and I were talking before the show about what our idea of this car could be, and I think I think we both settled on the same thing, which is it's higher priced than the forty to fifty thousand dollar Grand Cherokee, but it's lower priced than the seventy thousand dollar Land Rover or Range Rover. So it's kind of in the middle. But it's headed more towards that upper end of the the spectrum, so you're looking more for the premium family SUV that's got all the gizmos, gadgets, it's got the great four wheel drive, it's got the panoramic moonroof, it's got everything. So I mean, I I think kind of that's where they're going with this car, and I believe it's actually stated in the press material too. So really, because I was thinking that what they were actually going to try and do is use this as a way to push some cheaper Grand Cherokees. So let's say they're going to make a stripped-out model that's going to be really good for guys that want to beat them up and take them out and off-road. And I'm so sure they will. having well, so so having this higher halo end 
gives them some extra influx of cash and some, you know, higher percentage of sales actually coming back to the company, you, you've got bigger profit margins, and that can allow them to maybe push out a slightly stripped lower level Grand Cherokee for people who want something bigger to beat up than a Wrangler. Well, I mean, Grand Cherokee already has the uh, the Trailhawk edition, but it's far from a stripped out beater. I mean, right, that's that's got lots of crap on it already. I'm I'm talking about one that you can take yourself. Like the Wrangler Sport is there simply so you can put your massive lift kit on it and new wheels and tires and change everything out because it's that it's basically you just use it as a shell to create yeah. what you want out of it. If you don't want to bother, you just go ahead and you buy the upper levels of of the Wrangler, you know. But if you want to make it your own, you start with the cheap end because then you're just going to change everything out anyways. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> I hope that's what to do with this. I, yeah, I mean, I see that. I do. Um, also, you look at the new Suburbans um, and Tahoes. Those things are expensive now. I mean, like... All the money. Uh, if, you, if you deck out a Tahoe, you're looking at 70 grand for a Tahoe. Just, uh... Tahoes are great, but 70,000? Yeah. You know? Like, Suburban, suburban, okay, because Suburban is massive. Tahoe's big. Suburban is massive. And if I'm looking at 70 grand for a Tahoe, I'm going to look really hard at a Range Rover. Exactly, because that's where the name comes in, you know? And that incredible off-road ability. Yeah. The, I, I, I really do, actually, Christian, I, I kind of disagree, I disagree with you about the Grand, Cher- about the Grand Wagoneer being uh, a ploy to sell cheaper Grand Cherokees. The Grand Wagoneer is, and I will bet you money, is going to be the next... Um, the three, their, their next three-row vehicle, and it is that's going it. to be like like Mark and I were talking about. It is going to be the vehicle that's going to be priced maybe ten, twenty grand with options more than the Grand Cherokee. It's going to have a lot more safety features. It's going to be on a stretched wheelbase of the Grand Cherokee platform. So you're and, thinking maybe like an Escalade ESV competitor? Yeah. Ooh, not not that. Maybe perhaps not that large, but probably it's going to go straight up against the um, LX4. Or LX5, what's the, the the big 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 Lexus? Like yeah, the, I don't know. Yeah, the LX whatever. Oh, yeah. 50, whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever. It's the the Land Cruiser. Lexus yeah. Gigantor. Yeah, the Lexus version of the Land Cruiser, and then it's gonna and then it will also go after. It's gonna go after a Range Rover, but yeah. it's going to be ten, fifteen, maybe even twenty grand less than a Range Rover, and then they're gonna show promotional videos of it driving up a hill faster than a Range Rover. That's what that's what they're gonna do. That's what Jeep is gonna do. Yeah, and they'll drop a Hemi in it. Um, they'll, drop the, they'll, they'll drop the Eco Diesel in it. Yes, the you know what? An Eco Diesel in that would really sort of trip my trigger. That that would be awesome. Not gonna not gonna. But lie. no, if you if you look at the if you look at that that chart that little like infograph that that Jeep released when they announced the information of the Grand the Grand Wagoneer. you can see you can see that around like two, 2017, there's a little there's a little vehicle. Next, like there's a little vehicle under the in the Grand Cherokee line. I really do think that's going to be a generation change because around 2017, that's a pretty good time to change a generation for the Grand Cherokee, which was launched in 2011. Yeah, six years. So, yeah, so they'll do a generation change, and then one year later, boom, long wheelbase version, and they're going to name the Grand Grand Wagoneer. Makes sense. I like your. You know thinking. what? You sound like you've been doing this for for a living or something. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> you sound like you know about cars. What is this? 
I don't know. You can't be here. You make us look bad. Yeah. All right, let's move on to something that's not a grand wagon here, but still just as sexy and awesome. Um, we talked about the Alfieri concept from Maserati when it dropped at the auto show, and then uh, we even uh, did up a rendering of our not-announced, but I knew was totally going to be coming a Roadster version of this because Maserati chops the top off of every, every, everything they do because that's the only thing, kids, that's prettier than an Italian is a topless Italian. It's just how it works. So uh, they have announced that that's official, that's a real thing. There's going to be the Alfieri Coupe, and there's going to be an Alfieri Cabrio, and Maserati, I will do anything in the world to come and see this thing and touch it. Please, call me. I love you. <laughs> uh, is this, is this, and we'll, hey, just, we'll just let that selfless ploy just hang in the air. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking over some of the information of this vehicle, and it seems, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is this going to be the replacement for the uh, Gran Turismo? No, apparently it's going to be just a slightly smaller, sexier Grand Grand Turismo. Okay, so like I remember that when the, when Maserati first kind of made their push back to the United States, they do it with the little the little coupe. Yeah. Like around like the early the early aughts. Yeah, it was called know. the Grand Grand Coupe or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was it looked really pretty, but it had a apparently it had a really bad transmission. So I think that this is I guess this is going to be the more perhaps like the Maybe maybe a Cayman competitor. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I I expect something. I mean, it'll be a little more expensive than the Cayman because it wears that Maserati badge. But but yeah, like that's I think that's sort of what they're what they're aiming for is that sort of prettier, slightly cheaper, still exciting, sort of fun little car. And I mean, it just it looks like a million dollars. Just hands down, looks just awesome. Um, they're talking about the 4.7 liter V8 that uh, is that Ferrari derived engine that's in the um, Grand Grand Turismo is going to be in it, but they're going to have the uh, V6 engine that's in the uh, new Ghibli or whatever it's called. That's going to be Ghibli. in there. So they're going to have so they're going to have a couple of tiers th there of it. Um, and I just this makes me so excited because there are so many brands that are getting rid of their really cool cars for money for cafe for whatever, and then Maserati's like whatever. <laughs> That's well, because you know, Maserati has a history of um, making terrible above. decisions. Yes, going. Well, see, I was going to say going above but, and beyond, and maybe maybe not meeting expectations. But yes, they have a history no, of making see, terrible at the, decisions. At the same time, they can because they're part of Fiat Chrysler. Yep. And they can have these big, heavy, fast cars that get zero miles a gallon because Fiat also makes the cars that get, yeah. 50 miles a gallon, and they're going to sell, you know, 5,000 Fiat 500s for every one Maserati they sell, and of course their cafe stands are not going to get hurt at all with those type of ratios. So. Right. But, yeah, so I'm just I'm just happy they're, they're making it. They had talked before at the auto show, like, yeah, we're looking at this as possibly being a thing. And now it's totally 100%. This is a thing, and it's sexy, so people go out there and buy them so Maserati doesn't die again. Please. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about Chrysler. We're going to move on. Uh, we've got two other pieces of news that's not Chrysler-related. Um, BMW. The first i3 electric BMWs are actually being delivered, and people can buy them. That is true. Um, I wrote this piece. Um, it's just basically it's just, hey, by the way, they're for sale now. Um, there's not really big news about the car itself. It's just that they're starting to be delivered. Um, 
I mean, the, the car is cool. It's it's interesting. I think if it wasn't a BMW, the, the, the press about this car would be a lot more. But because it is a BMW, everyone expects it to be the next, you know, 3 Series, but it's not. So they're they're like, well, it's not really a BMW. So, but I, mean, I the, think I think the biggest news about the i3 is the carbon fiber tub. Yeah, that, I mean, it's that, the first that, that it's the first carbon fiber monocoque to be sold in mass quantities inside the United States, and the first to be produced in mass quantities like this. I mean, this is the beginning of the future when we are finally going to have cars that no longer weigh 17 tons. Yeah. BMW has proved you can really, honestly, mass-produce huge functional pieces of a car that are pure carbon fiber, and you can do it and make money. And that's I think, is the big news. And it's also really funny that this is now officially there for sale, because I told a buddy of mine this, and he goes, wait a minute, you can just now buy them? I thought that car's been out for like three years. And it's, no, BMW's been talking about it for three years, but you can only just now buy one. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the car, uh, you know, I wrote the piece a couple days ago. There's already like 25 comments on it, um, and they're all like, I love the car, I love the car, I love the car, and then there's the ones that are like the total trolls and like, I hate it, it sucks, it's not a BMW. Um, I mean, I, I get both sides of it, but I think I think it is going to be good for BMW's image to have this sort of city car, um, you know, earth-friendly, air quote, car, that, you know, it's obviously going to help their their cafe standing, hands down. So is the i8, which is an awesome car. I want to drive that thing so bad. It looks pretty sweet, not going to lie. It looks like a million freaking dollars, and apparently it's actually pretty quick. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So, kind of excited about it. Hoping that things work out with that car. I'd love to see it. Do you think they keep any car? at the uh, build plant in Spartanburg where they make the X5 and X6? No. Because I'm like, I can like hop a fence or something and just swipe one for a few days, right? I mean, that wasn't on the air. <laughs> BMW, if, if there are I-8s there and one of them gets stolen, I promise it's not me. <laughs> I'm in Knoxville. <laughs> I'm hours away. And I don't have enough energy drink to get there. All right, I, before we move on, I really do want to bring this up. $57,000. Okay, yes. Yeah. Carbon fiber monocoque. $57,000. one car, you know, McLaren P1. Yes, yes it's, it's incredible because they're mass-producing a carbon fiber monocoque, but... For $57,000. $457,000 for a car for a car that won't... Like, that won't... Is the size of a shoe. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen one in person, but... Yeah, like yeah. but during during our Basel uh and our Basel 2013 here in Miami, um, uh, BMW used them to shut uh, to shuttle um artists back and forth from Miami Beach to Wynwood, and you could see them driving around. It was a really cool idea for marketing wise, marketing period for reasons. But that kind of honestly, that is ma makes the point clear of what this vehicle is. It's a novelty. I mean, that's that's part of what the whole idea was, was it was an engineering exercise to prove that this could be done, and it's just the first step. But if you really think about some of the cars it competes against, the Leaf is not exactly cheap. The no. Volt is not exactly cheap. The Tesla well, is freaking outrageous. The ELR well, is stupid expensive. Yeah. Well, let's think a second. The Volt is coming down in price. It's like lower 30s now. The Leaf, 
Same thing. I think they're they're in the thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, they're like 30, 30, 30 grand. But the Leaf, it doesn't come with a range extender, so you're stuck with the electric battery and you're stuck with whatever mileage. Well, it is. isn't like, isn't the i three also electric only? No. Oh wait, comes, no, it comes with that little three cylinder. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a six fifty cc two cylinder. Oh, it's two cylinder. It's like a motorcycle engine. Yeah. But I mean, hey, it's cool. Right. <laughs> it makes some really good motorcycles. So this is this is as far as I can tell. This is operates as a series series hybrid like the Volt, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think, think it does. Think yeah, it, it just uses it more as a generator than actual. Yeah, power, and, power and, and 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 series. The, the I was thinking about this the other day. Series hybrids really are they they make a lot more sense in terms of being a viable answer to a question that we've all been asking ourselves for the past twenty years: is what what what's going to happen when what. What's going to be the thing that's going to fix our problem, our, our, our dependency on oil? And yeah. um, I really do think that series hybrids could be the answer. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't think the i3 is going to be the next Toyota Prius. They're not no. going to mass sell these things, and they're not going to be on everyone's street corner. But I think it's it's it helps the image of this sort of vehicle to have BMW make it. Right. Know? Well, and I mean, the price seems like a lot, but again, I don't think it's that much because if you take take a Volt, right? Yeah, you can get a Volt for like $38,000. It still has a Chevy badge on the front of it. So you, you can, take a Volt, you, you can fill it. You take a Volt for twenty seven in, I think, like... Uh, like One city in California or something? No, it's in the the, 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 the Midwest. I can't remember oh. which state it was, I, I, but yeah, you can get Right, but there's 20. lots of crap and all that. I just want to throw that. Right, but but the basic thing is the car is what like forty two grand and there's like a five thousand dollar tax rebate or whatever, so it's like thirty eight. But you can take that; it's still it's still a Chevy. So you take your Chevy Volt, you fill it with better batteries, you fill it with better interior, and you put a round dell on the front of it, and then you wrap the whole thing in carbon fiber. And fifty five grand doesn't actually sound like that terrible of a price. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, if it was if if it was the size and if it was the size of a Volt, this is car is much smaller than a Volt. A Volt is based on rather large. No, the Volt Volt is based off the old the underpinnings of the Volt is a is a, is the old is the caliber, and it's it's heavily revised and has a longer wheelbase. But I don't know if have you guys ever I I had a Volt as a press car for two weeks, and I fell in absolute love with that car. Um, I am not allowed to fall in love with the Volts because um, I don't have a garage, and when they bring you one, they say, do not charge it on an extension cord. Yeah. So I don't have a hybrid. I just have a car that burns gasoline at 30 miles to the gallon. It's the 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 volts the volts MPGs are not impressive. They're not, but that's not really the, that's not really the point of that vehicle. Just get right. a diesel. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know. And we all envy you. It's a sweet little car. Yeah. Uh, all right. We need to we need to stop complaining about this because we've been on the air. We're gonna be a little long again, kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we had one more little bit of news, but I think we're gonna skip it because we're already at an hour and we have a bunch of questions to go through. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and start with first question. We have Mr. Matt Lake. Uh, da, 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 wants to and see stuff about the live show. Here we go. Yeah, I think old cars have something special about them, even if the driving experience could be awful. He wants to know what is the oldest car we've ever driven. Mark, go. 
well, I didn't drive it, but uh, I did get to ride in a Model T one time. Uh, the oldest car. Really? Ever. Yeah. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah, I was like 10. Uh, my uncle, great uncle, I guess, had a, a just a, a whole garage full of cars. I mean, like really nice, like a Model T, like 65 Mustang, uh, like 55 Chevy, Bel Air, like those type of cars, like iconic cars. Um, and yeah, I got to ride in a Model T one time. But the oldest car I've actually driven myself, I think, would be a 1971 Corvette. Okay. Yeah. Logan? Uh, driven 66 Dodge Dart with a 225 Slant 6. That's Sweet. cool. Sweet. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that, is, that is solid. What about the oldest car you've ever ridden in? That car. Okay. It was, a, it, was a, it was a family car. It was my father's my father's car when I was younger, and when I think around the time when like I first like was starting to drive, he was like, "Here, you let me drive it." So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. What about you, Christian? Uh, that would actually be my pickup truck that I've got in the driveway. I have a 1965 Ford F100 with a 352 V8 and three on the tree column shift. Woo woo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that is the oldest vehicle I've ever ridden in, to my knowledge. I'm trying to think about if I've been in anything older than a '65. And I don't think I have. Um, yeah, because the Scout's newer than that. Yeah, so 1965 is the old thing I've ridden in. It's the old thing that I've that I've driven. And it's sitting just right over there, like 35 or 40 feet. That's cool. You're lucky. Yeah, well, lucky. I'm trying to sell it if you want one. Actually, uh, off the air, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. All right, uh, let's see. Albert Fox wants to know, what would our best drag race lineup be? And he wants to know about five cars that we would love to see race on a one-mile course. His choices would be an F40, a Lambo Diablo, a Porsche 959, a TVR Cigaris, and a C7 Vet, which is actually a pretty solid and interesting lineup to see what would happen. Um, and I like the fact that he gave us a one-mile course because that's enough distance that some cars that aren't that quick off the line can sort of build up to. Um, I guess, Logan, we'll let you go first on this one. Uh, pick four or five cars that you'd like to see together. McLaren F1. Okay. Uh, Bugatti Veyron, because okay. I want to see that race again. Um, and then uh, Jaguar XJ220. And oddly enough, I really like Mr. Albert Fox's suggestion of the 959. I love the hell out of a 959. It's that car is so amazing, but sometimes you forget about it. I, I I hate to be I hate to say that, but I do forget about that car sometimes. Oh well, I'm a Porsche guy. I never forget. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have pictures of it on your wall somewhere. No, the only let's see. Uh, no, I've got M3. I've got a chopped up uh, Yamaha motorcycle. I've got a decked out. Uh, Mercedes, and then I've got the Aston Martin DB5. I have no Porsches on the wall. Do I have a model car of a Porsche? No, I don't even have a, a Matchbox car of a Porsche up there. Hmm. Well, anyway. Yeah. And you call yourself a Porsche guy. Well, I've, I've, I've got Porsche models, but they're in the other room. I just don't have anything hanging up on that wall. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'll go get them, man. <laughs> You know what? I have one in the driveway. I've got a key to a Porsche, so that wins. Okay, you suck. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, I would, I would, I would also love to see the uh, 959, and I would actually like to see a procession of Porsche speed to see how the cars have progressed. I would like to see an original 911 Turbo. I would like to see a 959. I would like to see the Carrera GT, and I'd like to see a modern 911 Turbo S. 
and then the new 918 all line up and blast down for a mile and actually see what the big difference is and how things have grown because I think technically the 959 has a higher top speed than the Turbo S does today. It does. Um, and it's closing in on, because I think the 918, they said it's what, like 214 miles an hour or something? Oh, gum. I believe so. And the yeah, 959 would... is like 199 or 202. That would be, you know, I think Porsche should uh, take this idea and run with it, because I just want to see this on video. As, yeah, that, as would, to that do, would To do all of that, the, the classic iron, and um, and just race them, you know. I think we would be great pilots for these cars. I mean, I you know, we do work for a website called Top, Top Speed. Speed. <laughs> you well, know? Logan doesn't, but he's our friend and our guest, so he can he can come as well. He he'll be there. But we'll 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 let him get us coffee. <laughs> In the nine five nine. No, that one's mine. <laughs> At least the Actually, turbo. I think I'd like to be in the original nine nine eleven turbo. That yeah, would be the the nine thirty with the four speed and the uh, the affinity for killing murder. Well, yeah, but it's a drag race, so I don't have to be murdered. <laughs> oh, it, it'll find a way to kill you. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an original nine eleven turbo. It's gonna find a way to murder you. That's what they do. The BMW tried to murder me yesterday. Um, on the wet skid pad. Once you hit like the moment you hit third third gear and you got to that high of a speed. Back end started to really get wobbly on that on that water. Yeah, it was almost the instant you hit third third gear because that was right about like 72 miles an hour or something. And once you get about that fast on that just lake of water, it's like, oh hey, this is scary. I couldn't imagine driving 70 on a on a skid pad of, of a half inch of water. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's 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 this the best thing in the world. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the Cooper guys are crazy. I love them and I want to go back like every weekend. All right, uh, let's see. Thomas Beretta. Ah, I love the creativity you guys have when it comes to destroying stuff. On the same note, what are two cars you would love to see crash into each other head-on at full speed? I want to uh, go first on this one. Okay. Okay, so I love the P1. The McLaren is a great car. I just want to see how that monocoque acts when it smashes into a Bugatti Veyron at like 200 miles an hour. Is that twisted? Yes. But it's a, awesome. A little bit, uh, but it'd be a nice carbon fiber explosion. I just, I, I want like they would have to be like a thousand frame a second cameras, and just MythBuster style, just. You know. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Could you imagine? But I'd also go into a depressive coma afterwards. No, we use the Bugatti Veyron that the guy crashed into the water because everyone's seen that video. You know where he, he hit a seagull. Yeah. And he, yeah. Uh, and that was then my more. favorite video of like 2010. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were the pictures of like the fat tow truck driver like uh, pulling up out of the, out of the creek or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, it was depressing. But um, uh, yeah, that and the P1, I think, just to see what the carbon fiber does. Okay. No, solid. All right, Logan. Uh, Bugatti Veyron again, crashing into a. 60s or no? I'm sorry, 59 Cadillac. Ouch! That well, you know I, that Cadillac I, is just gonna explode, and the Veyron no, is gonna no, drive right. No, through. no, no. The Cadillac is gonna be the exact there. opposite, <laughs> and the Veyron is just going to wrap itself around the Cadillac. Okay, have you guys seen the IIHS uh, like 50 year anniversary video where they crashed 
a new Chevy Malibu with an old Chevy Malibu. Yes. And like you think these old cars are going to be huge and big and awesome and safe. No, this car no, was like they're not safe. Just crumple. They have no crumples. Just the, the, no, the, the frames and body of the car is in pristine condition. There's like maybe like a like a fender bender of the of the old Malibu, but the interior where the the actual it buckled inside, like the where the people are. So the people died, but the car's intact. Yeah. Which, no, this car this car was not honest, intact. I don't know what you know, talking about. Oh, well, I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and re and rewatch that video. But yeah, it's yes. pretty it's pretty atrocious. Um, I. Like I'm so torn up about some some of this stuff, um, but I would really like to see a semi truck going full speed, and I want to see it crash into an old F40. And the idea is is it's that same sort of thing. The F40 was the first like true, completely carbon fiber bodied car, and I don't know how strong that carbon fiber is. And that car will hit 201 miles an hour. So I'm thinking. A semi-truck doing about 95, 100, and this fragile little chunk of carbon fiber blasting into it 200 miles miles an hour. Like, it's back to that whole 10,000 frame a second video cameras, and I just want to see it slowly, like, because I think it would essentially disintegrate as it hit the semi-truck. It would probably just turn into a cloud. Yeah, just like a cloud of carbon fiber dust and, like, titanium tubing and stuff. And I just, it's terrifying because I don't want to see an F-40 destroyed that way, but the image in my head of how that would look, just carbon fiber dust explosion, is like, all right, I kind of want to see that. Uh, I would, see. you know, I would like to see the i3's uh, IIHS crash video, because that's what I do in my spare time. Actually, is is it's really sad. Is I, I like to watch these crash videos. <laughs> they have a great YouTube channel. <laughs> so they have the Dos Equis commercial with the man, or with the world's most interesting man, and then we have Mark, who's the world's most uninteresting man. I watch IIHS crash videos. <laughs> but hey, it's part of my job, so uh, it's awesome. <laughs> Leave me alone, I'm working. God, shut up. Okay, we gotta move on. Yeah, uh, alright. Um, own Drive Burn? Yeah, we're gonna do Own Drive Burn. Um, we had one more question from Joey21, um, but... It's a question so long we could do an entire podcast about it. He wants to know five cars under 25K with manual transmissions. Um, Let me Joey, just answer your question. Miata. <laughs> well, no, because... because Miata, what, because that's all he... Um, so, Joey, I want you to come back on this podcast and give us some clarification. Do you want something that's fun to drive? Are you looking for the best sports cars under, under, under 25 grand? Do you want the best all-round cars under 25 grand? Do you want the best, you know, what do you want the best of? Do you want the best lime green hatchbacks under 25 grand? I, I need something a little narrower than that because there's no way I can cover this. Yes, ST. Focus ST. Boom, two lime green hatchbacks. All right, there you go. Just, just go with <laughs> right, the four hatchbacks. Question, question answered. All right. All right. Okay, we're going <laughs> to do drive own drive burn, and this is one of the more terrible ones that we've been given, but thank you, please, for, for saying them in. And don't forget, we need as many of these as possible because I'm running low on them. Give me some own drive burns, people. Hit those comments or hit us on Twitter or do the email thing. Um, this one is F40, new F12 Ber Berlinetta, or the new LaFerrari. Have to own one for the rest of your life. You get to drive one once, and one of them you have to set on fire without ever setting foot inside of it. Logan, you are our guest. We're gonna let you go first. Uh, oof. I I can. All right, the own and drive one's gonna be difficult, but the burn one is easy. The LaFerrari. <laughs> um. Is it just because of the name? Yeah. 
Ferrari, take note. Please change the name of the stupid car. (laughs) Hey, you have seen the reviews. This is the Ferrari. (laughs) It's not Ferrari, La Ferrari. It's La Ferrari. (laughs) After seeing an F12 in real life and realizing how large they are, they're very, very large cars, I would still, I would actually, I would own one. And I would drive a F40, and I would make sure that was the longest 24 hours of my life. Yep. Um, I'm I'm sort of on the same wave wavelength. Drive one time for me, hands down, has to be the F40. I it is one of the most iconic vehicles that has ever been created in the entirety of 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 the world. This is one Agreed. of the biggest Agreed. achievements. One of the biggest automotive achievements ever in the history of the automobile is is the F40 and what it accomplished, and I just I need that in my life. But at the same time, it's it's not a daily driver material. It's not something I think I could actually live with every day. So I'm stuck with the LaFerrari and the F12, and uh, the F12 is one of my favorite Ferraris of all time, especially of the modern era. I love the way it looks. I love that huge V12, the way it's shaped. They got the old school proportions back. It looks like a million dollars. It's big. It's comfy. It's a great grand touring car. But I think I'd have to burn it because as much as I didn't want to like the LaFerrari, seeing all these videos and seeing how fast that thing is, I kind of want that in my life every single day. <laughs> so what did you do today? I went 217 miles an hour to go get some milk. That's what I did. Yeah. Well, you know, Chris, then you say, oh, oh, what'd you do it in? My, um... LaFerrari. La no, no, I would just say, in my Ferrari, and I would just leave it there. Oh, the, oh Ferrari, which one? Do you have, like, a F430 or a 599? Like, no... No, uh, I've got the Enzo replacement, the F150 Ferrari. <laughs> I can dance around that name all day. Yeah, you know, all it is is a name on a badge. You know, just say, I went 200 miles an hour today, my F-150. And everyone's like, man, what kind of truck is that? <laughs> I have had an F-150 at ludicrous speeds before. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, 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 like 140 ludicrous. That's pretty, that's pretty nuts. I didn't imagine that would get kind of squirrely after 110. Kind of uh, thought I was going to die. Yeah, well. I did 80 in my Jeep today, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Death wobble. <laughs> oh, man. The whole thing I thought I was going to fall apart. All right. Mark, go. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. All this technology on this car, I'd have to, I'd have to own the LaFerrari. As much as I hate the name, I'm just going to call it the F-150 and, uh, and, and just go with that. Um, I guess the same reason I would, I would kind of own – well, okay – if I own the LaFerrari, I would drive the F40 once and then burn the F12. Yeah, I mean it's – God, this is such a terrible one because it's like three really good cars. One has a terrible name, but they're three beautiful, incredibly well-made, incredibly fast pieces of automotive pornography. So um, thank you for being a huge, huge jerk and sending this in to us. But uh, yeah. we do, we do appreciate getting it. We do appreciate getting go. it. Next week's is even worse. We have Corvettes. Uh oh. I think, I think my answer to own, drive, burn is I'm just gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the rules. I'll take the wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna burn any of them. I'm just gonna end my own self. Unless, right. it, unless it's like an early model C4. 
No. Yeah, uh, remember Crossfire Injection? Yeah, no, that was great. Yeah, that was only two years, 80, 80, 82 and 84. It's the only two years they did that. Um, anyways, uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this wonderful Thursday show. Uh, we want to send a huge shout-out and a huge thank you to Mr. Logan Usman for joining us, spending his wonderful evening, yes, hanging out with a bunch of idiots like us, but he's a pure hoon. Um, if you ever get to meet him, you probably won't like him, but he's a great guy anyways. Um. <laughs> well, and, and just to be clear, too, you know, we all three go kind of way far back, um, so we're, we're good friends, generally off the air. Yeah, well... But, we tolerate each other at least. Yeah. I um I, I have a feeling this is not going to be the only time you'll see my face. No, no, probably not. <laughs> um, Sounds Logan, like someone's going to haunt your dreams. Every night, Logan. Every night. But yes, we want to say thank you, Logan. It's been an absolute pleasure. We want to say thank yes. you to everyone who's who's listening to us. And if you're watching on the video podcast, want to wave hello, say thank you for watching us. Um, don't forget, if you are super excited about this and you don't want to try and find it on our website, even though we love you visiting, uh, you can subscribe to our iTunes. Uh, you know, just go to iTunes, search for Top Speed Pod- Podcast. We have links in all the podcast descriptions on the videos and in the written posts, so you can and always we're find on it YouTube. there. Yep, we're on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube. You can subscribe to the iTunes posts. Um, you can always find us on the website. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, please use the comments below. You can use the comments on the YouTube, or you can use the comments on the post. Uh, obviously, we have a Twitter. You can find us at Top Speed Podcast, so it's really easy. If you want to send us an email, again, really easy. It's just podcast at topspeed.com. Uh, I am Christian Moe. You can find me at Moford. That's M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Mark McNabb is at Mark McNabb. Mr. Logan, do you have a Twitter you would like to pimp out there to the world? Uh, ooh, I actually I deactivated my Twitter, so... Um, oh, Twitter <laughs> smackdown. <laughs> Disclaimer for the world, Logan is like anti-social media, so we understand. It's okay. I use Twitter I do, because I do, required... Call, I do, Logan, call Logan on his uh, Motorola brick. <laughs> you, can, you can find me on Flickr, which I think people might still know exists, maybe. I, I use Flickr. Flickr's a good site. All right, there you go. Oh, what is What is your Flickr address? Uh, it's literally my name, Logan Utzman. I think my Flickr account is 555 U-T-S-M-A-N, 555 in reference to the cigarette company that one time sponsored a little, just a, a little Japanese car company that made some rally cars back in the 90s. All right. See, he's obscure and interesting. That's why we like him. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been our Top Speed Podcast. I told you I was going to try and keep it at an hour again, but whatever. I lied. It's our show. We do what we want. Uh, Thank you for listening. We love you all. We'll see you next Thursday. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. See you guys. See ya.